This is a Cyber Union Podcast, episode 84, to where the Labor Day started. Cyber Unions. <laughs> My name is Walton in Glasgow, Scotland. And with me, not in Mexico City, I believe, but uh, back where Labor Day started is... In Chicago, yes. Chi-Town, or Chi- yeah, I guess it's Chi-Town, uh, or Chicago, um, where most people say it from Mexico. And there's a huge Mexican population here. Yes, I am in Chicago. I have not actually been to Haymarket yet, <laughs> where, where actual, the actual, you know... Uh, uh, martyrs were um, accosted for. Do you, do you want to tell people just like really quickly in two sentences what we're talking about? Mayday starting Chicago Haymarket, all that stuff, <laughs> yeah. just in case not everyone knows. So if you didn't know, uh, Haymarket Square, or uh, I think it's Haymarket Square in Chicago, is where um, in 1886 was it? Uh, the there were a bunch of anarchists, uh, Marxists, and I believe socialists that were um, protesting. Uh, the working conditions, and it happened to be uh, a rally that was going on, and the martyrs that were uh, charged for the for what ended up happening, which was a bomb going off that killed a police officer, uh, uh, were not actually there. Um, none of them were actually at the rally when when the bomb went off, and uh, it was historically said that it was actually the police that sabotaged their own their own police officers to create an incident and provoke an incident that took out these martyrs and because of the the people that were held for uh the charges of the murders uh there were calls in solidarity to the workers that went around around the world and may 1st became known as what is international labor day uh and that was when uh things started to be celebrated or you know celebrating the labor day um but not in the united states the united states doesn't celebrate <laughs> it in may we're fucked up. We celebrate it in September, and it's a fucking day to go shopping. <laughs> but it's not May Day yet, so uh, we'll, we'll hold off on uh, that tirade. <laughs> okay. So what are you doing in Chicago, and uh, what's it like? What's uh, well, it's cold. I forgot what cold was like until I got here. <laughs> um, I got here, and, and my sweatshirt and extra layers and my scarf were just barely enough to keep me... Uh, not from shivering on the streets, um, but I am here. For, I'm here for the, or was here for the Labor Notes Conference, uh, which happens every two years, and this is the second time they've had it in Chicago, and second time in a row they've had it in Chicago. Uh, so I came here on behalf of May first, uh, since I am on their leadership committee. I pushed us to attend this one, and uh, I and another comrade, Andrea, and I uh, attended the conference on behalf of May first. Uh, so yeah, it was actually cool because the last time I had been to a labor notes conference was in Dearborn, Michigan, and that was 2006. Uh, so it was a lot of fun to actually come back. So, and actually, uh, it became a freaking reunion because I ran into three of my professors from the labor center at UMass Amherst. And then I ran into alumni from the UMass, uh, labor center at Amherst. Uh, some that I didn't actually expect to see and some that, that I was expecting to see. Uh, so it was a pretty cool reunion on that front. And then on top of that, I, I ran into um, uh, Global Labor Institute summer school folk as well. So <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> um, it, it's a good uh, community of activists. So was, I was really psyched. And there were well over 2,000 people at the conference. So it was very big. 
um, and uh, very over, overwhelmingly attended. Uh, I ended up actually meeting some of our listeners. In fact, huh. I'm at one of their homes right now, although he is at work. All right. <laughs> so um, proof, proof that they do exist. Proof, there is proof that at least two exist. I, uh, I'm, I'm crashing at one place, uh, which is Matt's place. And I also met Michael, who uh, works at uh, the Fermilab, which is um, was a former super collider uh, place, similar to what you guys have with the CERN over in Europe. Um, but it's because of the CERN, then all the you know researchers and developers or, or p- p- professors wanted to go work over there. And now they still do some work with CERN at this super collider Fermilab, but uh, they are utilizing the lab underground for other tools now. And I. I know Michael went through and explained it all. It's just uh, scientifically way over my head. So I'm not mm-hmm. even going to try to explain it, except that I got to go 300 feet underground uh, and mm-hmm. see some pretty freaking cool tunnels um, mm-hmm. and be technically close to radioactive uh, stuff. Um, Michael describes his position a lot like Homer. Um, he <laughs> <laughs> nice. He's the, uh, the nuclear uh, safety inspector, I think it is. Um, yeah. He doesn't have the cool control board that Homer has, but uh, a lot of his work is like that. So I hope I did that justice, Michael. So, so he's kind of he's kind of uh, he's, he's wandering around this ins- installation, making everyone making sure everyone's safe from radioactive leaks while listening to our podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so we're that's a nice thought. <laughs> yeah. So it was really we're, we're an integral part of nuclear safety. We are. We are. We are. Um, it was nice though. Uh, he took us. He took me to. A, a pretty cool pub. Uh, knew I was vegan, of course, and uh, had some nice food and uh, and a good microbrew. Actually, some really nice stout I had. It was served in like a brandy glass <laughs> um, because mm. it was very. It was like ten percent alcohol. Um, ah, yes, so really a good schooner. Stuff. They some, they they've taken to calling them in some of the microbreweries. Oh, a schooner. There we go. A schooner. So yeah. yeah. So I had that. Uh, that was yesterday. That was exhausting too because uh, it was a long day and a lot of walking. And a train ride out of the city because it's not actually in Chicago. It's about an hour by train outside the it's out, okay. outside of the city. Um, but yeah, well, it sounds like an exciting time though. It does, it does. And I have to say, I've been spoiled as all freaking hell. Chicago mm-hmm. is a vegan's heaven. Uh, there, oh. <laughs> I have to share this. They, there's this one place called the Chicago Diner. They actually have two locations, and it's a completely vegan menu. And though they will make it vegetarian if you want eggs or dairy cheese, mm-hmm. uh, but by default everything is vegan. Uh, where I had the Radical Reuben on their 30, 31st anniversary of the place being open, um, so I got a nice discount with that. So there's a Radical Reuben, and they also have vegan milkshakes. Uh, which I had the cookie dough peanut butter, which was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely fucking phenomenal. Um, even had poutine, which if you're not from Canada, uh, you would not know is um, French fries with gravy and uh, fake fake bacon on top, um, which okay. was really good. Uh, and then there's also a vegan pizzeria uh, that I'd gone to uh, that was really good too. And I, I, I even had the vegan Philly cheesesteak. Um, at the Chicago Diner, <laughs> and I think there's another place I might be going to tonight that's also a vegan place. Um, so I've been in vegan heaven. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, which I still need to go grocery shopping to bring all the vegan food back to Mexico before I fly home tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, so that's my veganism and my wonderful vegan experiences, which I know everybody wants to know about. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, you may be hungry, so yeah. No, I'm getting hungry myself too. <laughs> but um, so, 
Let's wrap this up and go make food. Oh, Come yes. On. All right, fine. Uh, <laughs> shall, shall we... Do you want to get to Labor Talk or do you want to give an update? <laughs> uh, no, nothing Nothing particularly interesting has happened this side. So, um, okay, well, I want to hear more about the, the Labor Notes conference. Walt, so Walt, why don't you tell me some of the things which have, which have happened so, there? Sounds good. Walton is a boring Scot, so let's uh, get into Labor. <laughs> you know, the... the, the uh, the pay's not great, but the work is hard. Are you up for it? So I arrived last Wednesday, actually, uh, ahead ahead of uh, the conference to plan out a lot of things, and uh, I'm just, it's just overwhelming because I basically spent um, the better of I would have to say fifty odd hours, almost almost continuously, except for the maybe six hours I slept between sessions. Uh, because it basically started Friday at 11. There was a, uh, I was down there already integ- uh, meeting up with people, but there was a session on telecom that I attended, which was mostly Communication Workers of America and, and IBEW, and International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, uh, which mostly are the, the unions that represent workers at Comcast and Verizon, the big companies that we wanted to go in there to discuss stuff about net neutrality, but it became an interesting dynamic because you have... A lot of people who got rid of very bad leadership that was in um, the Verizon East um, group, which is like the East Coast uh, of the U.S. Uh, that were that went on strike back in 2011 before I think it's before Occupy happened, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then he also got an interesting uh, generational difference, literally called uh, CWA Next Generation, which is the newer members that are coming in. And uh, it was it was very interesting discussions that were going on because there's a lot of discussions that were kind of like your typical union hall discussions that you and I say typical in the sense mm-hmm. of traditional, more I would have to say old school, uh, and then there was more discussions about um, about um, so organizing the new workers coming in and trying to get them engaged and involved, and there just seemed to be this sense of divide that I saw. Uh, and the divide was really generational. It wasn't really, you know, I know better than you and all. It was really just it, it, two different generations not really understanding how to talk to each other. Uh, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's a challenge, and it's a bit frustrating. Uh, I, but I met some really awesome people from it. Uh, Corey from Bo- the CWA out of Boston was a really, really good person to meet up with because he kind of connected with me with another, a group of other people talking about technology and uh, internet related things that are that that CWA is dealing with uh, but mm-hmm. uh, but it was it was good like, there was also some really good, good success with a new union drive with uh, Cablevision out of Brooklyn uh, which was really awesome because during uh, one of the di- the first dinner Friday night uh, they got the chance to talk about their their um, their success and they did it by doing a freaking hip hop session um, and so they they completely put to, together some some rap music about what they did, and it was really great. It just livened up the room uh, tremendously. Uh, though the microphones were not working that well when they did that, <laughs> but nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, it was really good. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, that was just Friday. Um, by Friday night, I was already exhausted, but still just went. I didn't get home. I didn't get to the hotel room until about midnight, uh, and then I was back at the next sessions the next day, and then. The next sessions are really interesting. Uh, there were some really good ones, and I'm going to talk about some that, that are going to be more tech-related in one sense. Uh, but there is a really good discussion that it was called the Young Workers Media that brought to right, yeah. – And it's really interesting because 
the, the room they had was really small and it was so overwhelmingly packed. Like they, the facilitators mm-hmm. were like, well, we didn't expect this many. And I sat there I'm like young worker in media. Those are like the three key terms <laughs> that you're going to get a whole fucking packed house. Um, and it was really good because they did some really good popular education stuff, went through like, you know, what media do we use? What media do we listen to? Uh, but there was kind of a moment lost in one sense because um, one of the things that I started to notice was and I think we'll get to this in the tech section is this tendency to really go after already complete tools that people can, that labor unions can just go use and then be done with. And it, and mm-hmm. it's like, it, it kind of is like, you know, already having your signs set up when you're going to go on a picket line and not having people create them themselves type mentality right. of like not really what engage. Mean, yeah. What's that? Yeah. And not, re- I, I know what you mean. Yeah. And not really engaging like discussions about, you know, how to, you know, organize like there's organizers work mm-hmm. and it's, it becomes really, in my opinion, like, uh, like becomes a task. Like, Oh, it's just a task. It's not, you know, we don't, we need to discuss that. That's not important. <laughs> you know, it's just mm-hmm. a matter of that. We know mm-hmm. need to galvanize the grassroots and the rank and file and do this. So anyway, I, I'll get to that a little bit later, but that, that session okay. was really interesting just because it brought out a lot of interconnections, uh, amongst people that wanted to learn more. And, and, um, also that were, uh, uh, also active already so i met some pretty interesting folks through there too actually um mm-hmm. of course they're much you know younger than most of the typical people that were at this conference but lo and behold the the members that the people that are coming to this conference are not exactly happy with labor uh but yeah so there was some interesting um stuff that went on there the other one that i went to was uh about the tpp uh and it was really good because a mm-hmm. lot of people did not know and it's really packed too. So there was a really good. That's the that's trans-Pacific partnership. Yes. Right? Yeah. Sorry. Um, acronyms are. It's like a trade agreement between um, the U.S. and the Pacific Rim countries, like including sort of Singapore, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, Chile, uh, Mexico, Japan, Chile. Um, okay. Just yeah. There's a there's a there's a similar agreement with the uh, with the EU as well called uh, TTIP. TTIP. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's I forgot what it stands for, but uh, T. TPP and TTIP are basically the same thing, except one is for the Pacific and one is between uh, the US and the EU. And basically, it um, enshrines corporate dominance on the world and puts the rights of corporations yeah. uh, above the rights of nation states and their electorates. Yeah, and there's there's some really good stuff coming from it too because um, the there was discussions of organizing around it and. Uh, uh, like it's really hard because a lot of it was a lot of people not really understanding exactly what it meant and how it's like a combination of NAFTA, a combination of ACTA, uh, and a number of different uh, environmental regulation changes and everything else. And it it's really interesting because the data, the chapters that have come out have mostly been leaked mm-hmm. because of like people who are willing to. Uh, commit treason almost because like the way this information is so secretive it's ridiculous how do you get access to it and that's what they're going over as well as the process that the u.s is trying to pass this because basically and this is really really interesting they were describing how the these trade agreements are the new way that capitalists are trying to control the system and the reason it's such a new way is that it doesn't require in the u.s at least it doesn't require necessarily congressional debate because of this one Mm -hmm. thing that came out of the nixon era called fast track passing of trade agreements and what it does is it completely limits debate and doesn't allow any adjustments or um 
uh, amendments to the legislation. And so there, it basically takes the entire Congress and democratic process that we think we believe in to, to not exist in the process of, of approving it. And right now, that fast track um, approval process has not been approved for this. There's been a lot of pushback. Some of it's exceptionally racist because it's right-wing assholes in the Republican Party saying that, you know, we don't want to give Obama something for success. Obama shouldn't be supporting this at all, but he fucking is. He's pushing it. Uh, he had hoped to get fast-tracked by April uh, before his trip to Japan. He's not getting it. Uh, but so it seems like the, the assessment from people who are very well-informed on this stuff uh, were saying that they don't think it's going to happen this year. But, you know, it's unpredictable. Obama could come back and try to push fast-track really quickly. There is some building contention within Congress about doing fast track. Uh, so the fight right now is trying to prevent fast track because if fast track doesn't happen, they try to pass it the, tip of the, the, the way they're supposed to. There's going to be a tremendous amount of room for debate and actions and protests and everything else. Um, but part mm-hmm. of the session was also informing labor unions on things that they could be doing. Like in Maine, there is a public commission for trade, uh, which is a, right, yeah. it's a, it's a state, state commission that is not radical but some of the people are that are involved and they're not trying to make it more radical what they are trying to do is get the information out there and start sharing it amongst the people that can take it to the streets um and so there's some really really good discussion on tpp uh, about that and and i'm surprised nobody's made fucking toilet paper jokes about it yet um because somebody should but um anyway so like it, that was a really really good discussion and i was really psyched about it um and I'm hoping to, to connect. And I'm going to be connecting with one of the facilitators from there and trying to build a, a website for, with them and try to, to really build a good network of, of uh, activists amongst labor as well as techies and everything else. Uh, because we haven't even seen the tech side of it, but we can only assume it's going to have the same stuff that ACTA, if not more, than what ACTA had. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's that, that was another one. Um, and the other one that was really overwhelming that i fucking loved uh was a, a talk on the chattanooga vw workers and their attempts all right yeah and the the people that were on stage which i don't actually have their names which is good because they were asked the, to not share uh, their names uh, because they still work in the factory and they're afraid of mm-hmm. uh of, rip, of anything coming back and so so this is the vw factory in tennessee yeah. that uh the united auto workers were trying to organize uh, late last year is that right yeah and Oh, actually, it's this year. I think the vote was back in February. But they had been organizing. Okay. So the UAW had been organizing that for, God, uh, they have they have been in communication with VW for the last three years. And VW in Germany, that is. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a big difference. And a lot of the discussion that came out from this was that it seemed that the German managers, the managers coming in from Germany specifically, were absolutely shocked by the anti-union sentiment in, in the region um, mm-hmm. because they just could not understand why it was such a big deal. Um, and a lot of it is culturally in the South. There is a tremendous anti-union and anti-UAW specific sentiment um, in this in the South because people remember Michigan and they keep thinking that Michigan went or Detroit went dead because of the UAW when, you know, right. last I checked, it wasn't the UAW who had the funds to you know, completely fuck over a whole city and move factories everywhere else. But, mm-hmm. um, but that sediment is really strong. And so a lot of the discussions were, uh, were about that. And the two workers were talking about actual, their, their love for VW. Like these are pretty far left leftists that were saying that VW really is 
like the discussions that they were having with them were really good discussions. And there were some questions that came from the room that were really good, which is one in particular. If people will know about this, there's a card check agreement set and many unions have tried to fight for. AT&T has it. Um, Unite Here will try to do that with hotels that they're organizing in, in major cities. And what it means is that instead of doing an election, because elections can get completely corrupt, there's a net neut- or neutrality mm-hmm. agreement that's signed saying that that um, that the the company will not try to interfere with the election or will not try to interfere and try to sway people, will not have captive audience meetings and things like that. Um, and that didn't happen. VW didn't do that um, with uh, the UAW, uh, which is a huge thing because that's really hard to fight. Whenever any union drive starts with any company, when there's going to be an election, there's captive audience meetings saying why unions are bad and why you shouldn't have them and all they want is your dues and why should we have a third party in between you and us so you, we can talk to each other, mm-hmm. blah, 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 and shit like that, which is ridiculous. But um, there was a question about why didn't the UAW push for a char- card check agreement, and they did actually, and that's something that didn't come out. Um, they had pushed for a card check agreement, and they were they VW wanted to do it um, because they the UAW had the numbers. They overwhelmingly had the numbers when they checked because they did their own card check. Yeah, and they were going to yeah. submit it, but VW backtracked on it, and it wasn't because they wanted to. Um, it was that the politicians came to VW and said, "Look, this needs to be democratic. This needs to be a vote. Um, it's not going to have any legitimacy if it doesn't." And if you don't do it that way, we're not we're not going to let you um, expand like you wanted to. And the politicians basically, and these are right wing politicians that came in and putting pressure on VW, forcing VW to say, "We'll have the election." And they talked with the UAW about it, and the UAW said, "No, we can still win this. We we have this in the bag." Um, and what was really interesting is that uh, from the discussions that were coming out of it was that um, that. One of the things that really, really hurt the campaign was Senator Corker uh, saying that, you know, if the members vote no, then VW will expand production with the SUV line, which VW mm-hmm. quickly denounced when that message came out. But this was three days before the final, the final end of the election. Um, but at the same time, UAW didn't get a chance to respond to these and didn't do it on the streets and didn't do it in the media partly because of a freaking snowstorm. Um, there was a huge snowstorm that impacted the, the state, that the state was in a state of emergency. People were told not to leave their homes um, because of how much snow had come down. And we're not talking tremendous amounts of snow because in the southern region of the U.S., really, like, a, a half inch of snow will shut down the city of Washington. Like, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. will be shut down and non-essential employees will not be asked to come to work. Uh, it was I don't know the exact amount of snow that came down, but it was more than that because that's what they're saying. Um, and the, it was too dangerous to do all these actions, and they wanted to do these actions that were were uh, in contrast to what Senator Corker was saying. They couldn't get them out, and they weren't able to inform their members um, of this. And when the people came in to vote, like they, there were many people who voted no because they thought that what Senator Corker was saying was right, it was accurate. Uh, and it mm-hmm. turned out to be a lie and a complete fucking fabrication, which is what you know senators and politicians are known for. Um, and now it's in a very tight position. Uh, but the cool thing is that I found out was that they were trying to push for minority unionism, which we've talked about before on the show, about how a minority unionism is you don't try to get a 50% plus one majority. Instead, what you do is you utilize the National Labor Relations Act and if you and I work for the same employer and we have a problem, if you and I go to our manager together... We are actually protected under the law, whereas if we go individually, we're not. We could be fired for just sneezing. Um, they just won't say that. 
Um, so they UAW was pushing this for quite some time, but it wasn't clear exactly why the UAW stopped. I know they're contesting the election, but it seems that there's something else going on behind the scenes that they didn't know either at this talk. But mm-hmm. it was really, really informative. Uh, I got to meet another journalist from Change or uh, Chattanooga for Workers, uh, which was really mm-hmm. prominent and strong within the movement um, down there, and um, and he was sharing a lot of the just the intricate details like that you know they they should have done house visits they didn't actually do house visits on the organizing drive they they the uaw had an office inside the vw plant so people could actually go directly to the office and talk to people and it was very popular but the thing is it wasn't it wasn't organizing people outside of the workplace and in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. you need to do that just to see how their attitude changes when they're not at work and feel that they might be heard the other thing is upper management that was coming from Germany had no no issue with the union, but lower management that was on the shop floor did, and they yeah. were very anti-union. Um, and some of the administrative people were supportive, um, but mm-hmm. a lot of the lower management were lambasting, and they were out on, on handing out flyers after work. And that's what UAW mm-hmm. also didn't do. They weren't they weren't on the street to contest what was going on. So there are a lot mm-hmm. of mistakes that happened. Um, but there's a lot of hope moving forward, and they're pretty confident that they're going to be able to get it one way or the other. Um, whether the thing is right now they need they're vying for trying to get a second election uh, or redo the election. Okay. Um, but anyway, so sorry I rambled on a long time there. Um, but it, well, it's you know it's 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 kind of an important issue which is uh, indicative of a lot of the things which are happening in the labor movement. Um, but yeah, I mean the whole this whole thing about. Um, the German managers being in favor of unionization. Um, you know, Germany is a company country which has actually quite a successful manufacturing sector. It's one of the world's biggest exporters and it pays high wages. So um, it just shows that even within capitalism, it is actually possible to have uh, union jobs and successful companies and uh, all these kinds of things. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's worth remembering. It definitely is. Uh, and... I mean, I don't want to go too too extensively on it, but there's some really good talks also on in the auto industry too. Um, a, a comrade of mine who works with the UAW, but was doing this stuff outside of the UAW, uh, has done work with the Maruti Suzuki work in India, mm-hmm. uh, and she had done a talk about what was going on there, and uh, is really eye opening to a lot of people. Um, there's, I mean, if people don't know, I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that that story. Yeah, I don't. I don't know it very, very well, but I just know that uh, it's the um, it, factory in India where they make. I think it's um, Suzuki uh, scooters, mm-hmm. and um, there was a major dispute with the employer. I think in two thousand and twelve, and they locked a bunch of workers out and arrested. I think one hundred and forty eight union leaders, and um, essentially the dispute is unresolved and um, those workers have been trying to get justice ever since and um, earlier this year they embarked on a, um, a long march which is a an Indian political tradition, it's something that Gandhi did where you kind of march uh, across the country trying to gather support for, um, for your campaign so the Maruti Suzuki workers went on this long march through India through sort of all the towns, villages, and cities along the way to raise support, um, but yeah, that's about as much as I know about it. What uh, what did you learn? The, some of the intricate details around it, behind it. So part of what happened with the the 148 that are or 100, I think it's 148 that were in jail currently. 
uh, is that there was an incident that was provoked by management. Um, and, and it's really important. I don't remember the name of the state, and I, I'm, we're going to get much more information on this than, than what I can sum up. But the state is really in opposition to unions taking action because they're trying to attract a lot of foreign investment. Um, so there's a lot of pressure to keep union activism down, and if there is, to make mm-hmm. it a yellow union of some sort or another. Uh, and so there was an incident that was provoked, and what happened is, uh, I don't know exactly what the details of the incident, but the result of it is one of the managers, and the only manager that was actually per worker, uh, was killed in the incident. And the mm-hmm. company gave a list of 160 people to the authorities and said, these people are responsible for that person's death. And 148 of those people were put into jail for the death of this person. They're still in jail. Uh, and the from what I am, it's my friend Suzanne would do a much better justice, and and we'll see if we can get her to write an article a little bit more about this. But uh, from what I understand, that the judgment, the judge in this area that was basically, I mean, talk about ridiculousness, uh, said that they cannot release the prisoners because if they do, it might scare off foreign investment. Yeah. Which is just like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> you know, that's not how justice is supposed to be done. It's not about the economy. It's about the people and the justice part. <laughs> and if they're innocent, you know, I, and the, the case apparently was that they coordinated the death of this person. And last time I checked, if you're going to coordinate anything, 147 or 160 people isn't exactly a good method to do anything like that because, you know it's going to fucking leak out if it's going to happen <laughs> that, you know, I don't think the mob was like that coordinated. I don't think the entire mob knew exactly who they were going to kill. <laughs> and they're a pretty big establishment. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, made sure that one person or two people knew and had it done and blah, blah, blah. And it's ridiculous that they, they are raising this. So, uh, so it was really interesting. Like uh, there were some really good discussions about that as well as other international cases. Uh, Tur- uh, Turkish uh, union is also there talking about what's going on in Turkey as well as a, a union member from the metal workers in Mexico and talking about the corruptions of, of the labor unions in Mexico. Uh, so it's was, it was a lot of really informative discussions. Uh, I wish I could sum- summarize it all, but I'm going to try to get in touch and reach out to some of these people to share their stories with us uh, and probably with Union Solidarity too because I think we'll probably get some campaigns out of that too because um, there's a lot of stuff going on internationally. Uh, so... I'm going to stop there because there's just so much more I could talk about from this weekend. It was it was overwhelming. It was exhausting. It was it was exciting, and just a lot of fun. Um, just meeting some really awesome people and hearing some phenomenal stories uh, that are really just growing the movement at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for that. I mean, it, it really does sound like it was a, a pretty amazing uh, conference, and we don't really have. Uh, it's equivalent in the UK, not a big independent labor movement conference. We have the Global Labor Institute, but it's a much smaller event. So um, that really does sound like something uh, very exciting. Should we jump into a bit of tech? Um, just, I guess, maybe a short discussion on tech because uh, we had quite a long labor session. But uh, <laughs> are we are we ready to talk some tech? Yeah, let's jump into tech. Which for you is computers. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the one thing that both of us have been thinking about is how um, unions don't really think through the tech the tech stuff or the internet stuff and basically they know that um, they need to be online they need to be using technology and they go out there and they just they want something that just works so they use whatever is available and uh, normally it's it's Facebook to start with and uh, if not if not Facebook it's you know it's it's the usual tools which are there and then 
um, you know, this is a problem that's been around for a long time. Like the service might might change. Like Facebook has become a lot less useful to activists in the past few months because of the way Facebook is restricting um, views. So you don't see everyone. You don't see you don't see all the posts from the people that you follow. You 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 see the things which are paid for by by advertisers now. And and like Labour's always paying catch up, and uh, it's it's also not using tools which are designed for for it. It's it's using tools which are devi- designed for a commercial market, and it's sometimes making very good use of them. But it still is a little bit on on the back foot. And um, you know, for example, with with this organizing network that we've been using at USI, um, I can see so much potential in there. But it would be so much better if. Uh, we could get some programmers to do a bit of development and add some features and all that kind of thing. But, you know, of course, there, there's no money for that. And, you know, I was just, I just thought it would be really good if there was a way we could get the the labor movement to back something like a, like a software development consortium, um, which was also maybe, you know, did a bit of thinking, strategic thinking about how best to use the internet and, you know, develop sort of... Um, open source software and um, some some ideas about best practice for, for union activists online for, for the, the benefit of the whole labor movement. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. And I mean, that was one of the things that I was saying earlier is that, that, that it was really clear from, from the discussions, even, even amongst like the, just to give an example, like uh, amongst some of the, the CWA next generation um, organizers, they're talking about using this thing called group me, which does like group, SMS messages, but it's done by a company that the information is going through them. And it's, it's things like that that aren't actually drastically that hard to develop that we could be developing on our, like for the labor movement or as the labor movement and sharing with all the other activists in the labor movement. I mean, there's some elements of within it in Civi CRM, but it's not exactly the same thing. And that's a little bit different when it comes to it. But it could be, you know, setting up these structures that make it like just getting a one time install of, of a set of packages that, that, are pertinent to labor unions, I think is something that, that we could work on developing as well as tools that are needed for international conferences and, and multilingual situations, as well as, you know, video conferencing and, and having it so, you know, high bandwidth is not needed and things like that. It's just, there just seems to be a lot that I almost wish the internationals were focusing their efforts on instead of whatever they fuck focus their fucking efforts on, because I really have no idea. It's like a bunch of small group of people, but but yeah, no, I agree. I think I think it's just a matter of trying to develop that labor <coughs> software development consortium and trying to get people who are developers themselves that are favorable to the labor unions. I mean, the sad thing is in the U.S. and most around the world, uh, the labor unions have done shit when it comes to organizing anybody who has technical skills, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. when in, within the software realm and hardware realm, so to speak. I mean, there's electrical workers and stuff like that for laying landlines and configuring that but it doesn't seem that we have or maybe we do and they just don't value those skills and are not thinking about it as value because i still look at labor union websites and it's not like a place where it's saying hey come here and join us and mm-hmm. but i mean it says that but it's not saying join the internet the their web page to participate in things it's like sign up for yeah. this and petition this and then you're done <laughs> and it's just like well what the fuck that's not that's not, you know, creating a space, a, a online union hall where we can all chat because mm-hmm. not all of us can make it down to the union hall. And sometimes we're 
work is so remote that we don't even have that. And there, it's just it it just seems conceptually it's not there. That mm-hmm. it, it's still this idea that the internet is a street corner, and you just mm-hmm. need to go where the people are, and that's it. And you're not hold some placards, yeah, and hold placards, and that that's it. And it's not about you know trying to think about oh now we got these people out here what do we do with them and what do we do with the people who aren't even in the union that are working with us how can we engage with them and bring them into our discussions whether you know I know unions tend to have a tendency to always want to have a face to face meeting and I agree it's important but the way this world has advanced we're beyond that scope that that only works on small little local campaigns and we're when we're thinking globally as a, as the system grows globally. We need to we need to expand at the same rate, so to speak. I hate to use Keynesian terminology, but we, we need to expand at the same rate that capitalism is growing on the internet, so we can be the so we can create those environments online that are safe, that are not on Twitter, that is following some specific hashtag that gets taken out of context, or on Facebook that mm-hmm. you know gets really fucking weird about shit and doesn't give you the tools to organize things. I, I still go back to thinking about the organizing network that, that's been put together with USI. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be, mm-hmm. you know, it has some of the tools, and I'm not trying to promote it, so to speak, but it has some of the tools. It doesn't have everything, but it has some of the tools that, that make sense. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just a matter of just saying, well, let's start duplicating this stuff so we can get other unions doing the same thing and talking to each other this way. Yeah, and, you know, it wouldn't actually take a huge amount of money to, you know, if you got... I don't know how you would do it. I mean, if you got like maybe the confederations to put a certain amount of money towards it, you know, like the TUC in the UK changed to an AFL-CIO in the US, um, you know, she just she just realized how important this stuff is. And instead of individual unions going off to PR companies and buying services, just put relatively small amounts of money into, into development. And, uh, you know, in exchange, you could get um, something which is bespoke, developed for the labor movement, um, but also gives back to the community because it's it's open source, so um, other people can use it as well. And uh, it would, you know, it would be a really great contribution, and I think it would also help build a better relationship between unions and the the tech community because um, they don't always communicate so well with each other. Yeah, I think that's why we started this podcast, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Not to come back to the basics of what we were trying to do with this, but it's true. It's it's, it's exactly that. Is that you know, if you're going to organize, it almost it, it frustrates me because I think back to like when the unions were really strong and when they were strong in the railroad unions, and they they were not afraid to tear up the freaking tracks because they were the ones who laid them, mm-hmm. and. That's the that's the relationship we need to have. We need to have people that are not afraid to tear up the tracks and and like so. These are the people that are are cracking websites and breaking the the sites and doing activism like even with Mozilla recently of activism against the mm-hmm. CEO because of mm-hmm. his stance on marriage with uh, lesbians and gay and bi and queer communities, but uh, and transgender and and it's just a matter that we have the people that are willing to break break what they develop but they're not organized mm-hmm. and have no connection to labor unions so it just seems to mm-hmm. be it seems to be poorly organized and it seems to be that those are our allies at least i know our iww brothers and sisters would think that our more radical leftist ones i think many of the ones at labor notes would think that uh it's just a matter that we need to start actually doing that and i mean maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's a matter that we, we try to put together some fundraising campaign and try to develop that consortium i don't 
I, I know there are other tech workers out there that like labor, and I hope they listen to the show. And if they do, then get, I think almost one, get in touch with us. Get onto the organizing network, which we'll put a link into the show notes for. And we can start mm-hmm. trying to figure out what this consortium would look like. I mean, it, it's all well and good when we can raise the funds for it internally and, you know, actually pay people a living wage to actually work on it <laughs> um, and not just rely on free free development because I don't think that's going to be sustainable in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But I, I think there's a lot of potential there, and I, I think this weekend helped me think about it more, and you're obviously thinking about it too, Walton, and... Mm-hmm. It's it's stuff to work off of. I think it's I think it's good. Yeah, and if there is, you know, some benefactor out there who has millions and millions and they're just sitting around thinking, you know, what on earth shall I do with this money? because um, I don't really want another yacht. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we could do some interesting software development with it. Yes, please send... So do get in touch. Please send your money to us. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I think this is where you could create a foundation and the Consortium Foundation or whatever for mm-hmm. funding for that specifically and then democratically decide how to distribute it based on whatever development is needed. But I think there's a lot of potential there. And I think... I mean, I'd be interested to hear if people out there who are listening to this are interested in it and just to share your thoughts on the idea because it's something that doesn't, it's not really been done, you know. Most fundraising that a union will do is like, hey, help us with our strike fund so we can go on strike. And this is to help us build something that isn't being developed and not being developed in the hands of our own instead of it's in the hands of the capitalists. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. Good. Good talk. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we have a... Any feedback? Or- Help will come whenever it's needed. Cheer, my comrades, cheer. Yeah, I yeah. think there's a little bit of feedback I want to give. One is um, I want to thank the, the two listeners that I did get the, the chance to actually meet, uh, Matt and Michael, uh, for being really hospitable and really great. Uh, and it's going to be fun because it's kind of... It's kind of cool, you know, like, it's weird to think of, like, oh, the claim to fame of having a podcast, um, but it's really nice to, to actually meet in person people who actually listen to the show, uh, and it just getting to understand the, where they're coming from, um, and it was really cool. Michael uh, is also going to be really helpful with us, because if I had think I had mentioned this before, I've been banned from Reddit. I created a new account, but it's just—it's more of a pain in the ass because when you have the new account, you don't have the history of it, and uh, I just was getting really pissed off at Reddit myself. Uh, but he uh, is on there, and he's gonna—he said that he'll do the honor of uh, sharing the podcast on Reddit for us, which is great. So I want to thank you for that ahead of time, Michael, before you actually do that. So thank you, um, and thank you for the tour. I got to see the freaking Fermilab. That was awesome. <laughs> Not many people can say that in their lives, uh, although it is a completely open freaking lab, which is awesome too. So. Um, uh, in the sense that it's publicly accessible and everything else. So uh, thank you on that. Uh, other than that, I have no other feedback to give. Yeah, and if you're still listening, thank you for hanging around, and we will speak to you next time. Yeah. Later, y'all. Visit us at cyberunions.org. Follow us on Twitter and Identica at cyberunions or on Reddit slash r slash cyberunions. You can also email us feedback or grievance at cyberunions.org. Thank you for listening.